0: So today we're getting into the Word. Um, We have been in our season series. How many people have been blessed by that season series so far? Good? It's been good to you? So just kind of recap so that we kind of level set and make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, Our foundational scripture for the season series has been uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 3 and 1, um, and it reads... For everything there is a season, a time for everything, every activity under the heaven. So this season series has been very impactful, very blessing to me. And so just to kind of make sure that we are understanding what a season is, it's a period of time in which a particular thing happens um, that may not or should not happen in another season, okay? Okay. So in this season series, we have discussed and started talking about four distinct seasons that we as believers go through, that we as believers experience. First, we look at the season spring. Spring is the season of refreshing and rebirth. This is um, where things are dormant, but now they're starting to come back to life, right? Then we also looked at the summer season. This is a season of thriving. This is where all you do is win. Everything that you touch... Everything you put your hands on, everything that comes into your life is, is just a big up for you. Everything that you're, you're experiencing, everything that you're like, man, I, I can't, it doesn't matter what I do, it just turns out right for me. That's the season, the summer season. Then we looked at our fall season. The fall season is a season of preparing. Like you talked about, I told you, it, it hits. The season of preparing is the fall season. Change is starting to occur in your life, okay? Um... The things that were winning for you before, they might not be, coming, be becoming ales, but they're, they're, not, they're not working out as smoothly as they were before. They're not working out with such ease as they were before. It's a little more of a struggle to, to the crop, the harvest isn't coming in as plentiful. It's still coming, but it's not as easy to get and obtain as it was before. And then we have our winter season. This is the season of burying. You are covered when you think of season of burying, when you think of winter, there's leaves on the ground, snow, things are happening. It's a season of burying, but you have to understand that even though you're feeling buried, even though you're feeling overlooked, God still has you. He has you covered. The name of each season paints a mental picture for you when you hear it, right? When you hear summer, spring, winter, fall, you, you automatically start to believe and think about things that happen in those seasons, Um, It makes you think about activities that occur in those seasons, and it also makes you think about the characteristics of those seasons, right? So let's look at an example. If we said the winter season, that's where we're in right now, the winter season. A moment that you might think about in the winter season would be like Christmas, me getting my first G.I. Joe. That's a moment that I remember vividly, right? That's a moment. Activities that might happen in the winter season. Something that's coming up pretty soon, Thanksgiving. Getting together with your family, that's something that you kind of start to look forward to. That's an activity that you start to say, "Hey, man, that's something that's in that season, it's something I get hyped for. And then the characteristics of a winter season is that it's cold, there's snow, you know, shorter days, longer nights. I woke up one day, it was dark. I got off work and it was dark. What in the world? Um, big coats, generally three months. So those are kind of the characteristics of it. So when you hear about a season, you automatically, your mind automatically takes you to a place And you start thinking about things and the characteristics and the kind of concepts of that season, right? So, let's, let's pray, Lord. God, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your patience with us. Help us to understand how to access the power of the season that we are currently in. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I've got a question for you. Um... Who has heard about the somewhat famous play Romeo and Juliet? Anybody show hands? Okay, all right. Okay. Now, uh, for my younger people, we're not talking about like Romeo Miller, Masterpiece, and that's, that's, we're talking about a play that's kind of old. All right. Yeah. So this play is uh, written by a man named William Shakespeare, uh, more than 400 years ago, and the play centers around uh, Romeo, who is a Montague, and Juliet, who is a Capulet. Okay? Now, their families are each other's op. They're each other's opponent, right? They, they, they do not, do not like each other, all right? And for Romeo and Juliet, it's, it's a struggle for them because only because of their name, they're not allowed to be in connection with each other, right? Romeo and Juliet care so much about each other that they go in secret to meet up. Their love is strong. And this is before social media, so they can't just text each other. they got to actually come together in face, right, in in person to get this time to spend time together. In one of their meetings, Juliet is hurting because, in her mind, she doesn't see an end to how their love can blossom and and succeed, right? And so she makes a statement that basically says that that names have meaning. They're not, excuse me, the names are meaningless. And her statement is, What's in a name? That which is called a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Here, Juliet is implying that names don't really have any intrinsic value. They don't have any real merit to them. Because if she was not a uh, Capiwet and he was not a Montague, there wouldn't be any problem. They would just be them. They would be able to be together and live together. But I would like to challenge that thought, that notion, that idea that names don't have value. Um, Shakespeare puts this parenthetical statement out there that. Oh, it's just, you know, it, a name by any other, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. So I would like to challenge that. But to do that effectively, we have to kind of dig into a name, okay? So today's topic, today's sermon, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, it's what's in a name. Our key scripture for today is going to be Proverbs 18 and verse 10. And I'm going to read it from the uh, NLT. New Living Translation. You have your Bibles with you? Paper? Digital? Let me know when we're ready. We can rock and roll on this, okay? All right. It so reads, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Man, you know, that was so good, I'm going to read it one more time. The name of the Lord is Is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. So, I mean, that was a short scripture, but I would like to break that down because I think there are three key distinct areas of operation that we can look at in that one scripture that kind of help us give more clarity to the scripture and get more definition to it. The three areas I want to look at are the name of the Lord, a strong fortress, and the godly run to him and are safe. So let's start first with the first part, the first portion of that scripture, which is the name of the Lord. So to kind of understand where we're coming from, let's look at what a name is. We have two working definitions that we're looking at. Um, a name as a noun is a word by which a person, animal, place, or thing is known, addressed, or refer- uh, referred to. Okay? Okay. So if we're talking about a, uh, we could be talking about a name as for a person, place or thing, and that's something how we refer to it. We know, we know Greensboro, we call it Greensboro because we're referring to that city, it's a place. I'm I'm Christopher, I'm referring to, that's my name, okay? As a verb, though, a name is a specific, um, um, excuse me, is to specify an amount of time or place As something desired, suggested, or decided upon. So now what we're going to do is we know as, as we were singing and praising worshiping this morning, there are names of the Lord. God has many names. He has many affiliations. He has many things that we can connect to him with and through. Okay, So on the screen you'll see some of the names of the Lord. And this is just a few. Again, like I said, there are many names for the Lord. But what we are looking at is just a few names of God. Okay? Now, the thing that we have to understand is that these are some names, but we cannot encapsulate. We cannot capture. We cannot hold God into a small enough space to capture all of his magnitude. Okay? So this, like I said, this is just some of. So we've talked about what our definition for a name is. And now we've also seen what our kind of understanding of how great and powerful God's names are. Okay? So we kind of got that gravity. So now what we're going to look at is we're going to break that down and we need to unpack three areas about a name. First, we're going to look at the importance of a name. The importance of the name is this is where we're going to look at the significance or the value that a name holds. Okay? The importance of a name is the significance or value that a name holds. Understanding the significance of a name allows us to understand the meaning of a name along with its the qualities of that name. So we have importance. What importance does for us is it gives us a, a perspective, a look, a, a avenue to... Associate that name with. Write this down. In the importance of a name, we find connection and identity. We find the connection of our relationship to God. That's our connection. And we find identity in the effect of who God is. Okay? So we find connection and identity. If we look at some of the names that I would consider under the importance, these are names like Abba, Father. This is a connection. If if somebody is your father, there is a relationship that you share, right? It's not just, there's a symbiotic situation here that that we are connected by more than just, oh, I know them, they're my neighbor. No, there's something more in depth. There's something that connects us more as father. Um, El Shaddai, God Almighty. There is in that, we're still in the importance phase, but now we're starting to understand that there is a identity to God. So we understood the connection. He's our father. But now we're also going to look at where, how, how, how do we identify him? All right. So there's a quality there of El Shaddai, who is God Almighty. That means he is above all, all others. Right. So we're starting to break down and understand that there is connection and there is identity. Okay. So we looked at importance. Area number one. Area number two is presence, the presence of a name. In the presence of a name, we find fact. Okay? We find facts that tell us things that don't change, things that are consistent, things that just exist. If we look at some of the names of God that I'll consider the presence, things that are fact about God, we'll see things like Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning. And the end. Well, when when does, when does he start? He doesn't start. When does he end? He, he doesn't end. He he just exists. This is the this is where we're looking at the presence again. Presence is a fact. The fact just exists, occurring without being um, and being present always. Write this down. The presence of a name exists, but may not always be seen. As we said, God is Alpha and Omega. Even though you did not see your beginning, none of us did, I guarantee. None of us know where, how we started. We have an understanding, but we, did not, we were not witness to it. None of us will see our exact moment that we end, but God exists in all of that. Okay? So we've looked at, we've looked at two areas so far. We've looked at the importance, and we looked at the presence. The third area that we want to look at is the power of a name. And here's where things kind of, I think they ramp up a little bit for us. Um, When we really start to break down a name, we start to begin to understand that names do carry weight. They do have power to them. And in learning the names of the Lord, like I said, we showed just a short list. We we begin to kind of comprehend that these names have a capacity to them. They carry, they carry a, a certain amount of, of weight to them. They, 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 they're not limited to. They, they have capacity. So write this statement down. In the power of a name, it has the ability to direct and influence. Because of the power in a name to direct, there is no space in your life That you can't give to God and let him handle and direct you and lead you in. Okay? Because there's power in the name to influence, there is no situation or circumstance that can't be changed by walking with God. So it has the power to direct a situation. You can speak to things and say, you know what? I want to go left. Lord, help me in this area. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Lord, call on that name, and you can direct it. It also has the power to influence. People are dealing with things in their bodies, in their life. You can speak to that thing and have that power to change that circumstance or change that situation. Okay? So we've looked at what we kind of understand now of the, the strength and the power that is accessible through a name. Okay? We looked at those three areas. So if we kind of move forward in that scripture, let's go back and kind of just rekey in on our scripture. It says, the Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. So we looked at the name of the Lord. Now we're going to look at a strong fortress. So we have several scriptures that we can look at and we can look at as reference. Psalms 18 and 2 reads, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 2 Samuel 22 and 2 reads, He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Psalms 31 and 3 says, Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Psalm 71 and 3 says, Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. If you were listening here, you heard a theme. You heard something kind of repeat itself. And understand that these are not the only scriptures that reference this. But we started to hear something that kind of repeats itself. Throughout these scriptures, we started to reference that God is a rock and he's a fortress. He's a rock and he's a fortress. A rock and a fortress. So, well, that's interesting. Are we, are we minimizing God to a rock? Something that you would walk over and Throw it at somebody else? Is that, is that what we're reducing him to? No, no, no. So let's let's kind of understand what are the characteristics of a rock. A rock is sturdy. is strong and solid. A rock is enduring. It's continuing and long-lasting. A rock is steadfast. It's resolute, dutifully firm. I love that. Dutifully firm and unwavering. So then, okay, so we we have a a kind of an understanding of characteristics of a rock that we're liking God to. But then it also said that he's a fortress. So what are the characteristics of a fortress? A fortress, one of its characteristics is that it's shielding. It protects you from what's on the other side. Okay? The other side um, can be you replying to that late night text. The other side could be you going out when you know you should stay in. Um, The other side could be uh, you going left when you know you should be going right. So there is is strength in that fortress to know, hey, you know what? I'm protected from that other side. I'm protected from those decisions and those thoughts that weigh me down. I'm protected from those things that make me want to do wrong when I know I should be doing right. That make make me a little weak. I know that there are situations that I can't handle. I know that if I go hang out with those friends, those friends are going to get me in trouble. I know that if I associate with her, it might lead to some 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 troubling situations for me. So, understanding that he is a he's shielding you as a fortress from things from that other side. Secondly characteristic, second characteristic of a fortress is is safety. Now, this can be mental and emotional peace. Um, that you are cared for. So, if we think about a fortress, we we put it in our mind's eye. A fortress, big building, something huge, protects you. There comes with that a peace, an understanding that, you know what, I'm okay. There might be trouble going on outside, but I'm alright because I'm, I'm in a safe, fortified environment. An example of this would be like Fort Knox. If I told you, hey, something's about to go down, by show of hands, who's been to Fort Knox? Anybody? Me neither. Okay, awesome, we have one. But, everybody has heard of Fort Knox, correct? When you hear of Fort Knox, you think of somewhere that is safe, somewhere that is secure, somewhere that is protected, right? Because of that name, because of the name Fort Knox, you automatically assume that there is protection to a, a high level, to a high degree. That is what a fortress does. If I know that it's a fortress, I automatically in my mind have an assumption that I am safe, that I am protected, that whatever's out there can't get to me because this place, this area, this environment, this temple that I'm in is fortified, it's safe, it's strong. The last characteristic we want to kind of look at is space. A fortress offers space. And when we talk about space, we're talking about room for you. And not only you, but for your loved ones, for the people that you care about, the people that you are in charge of, people that are under your protection, okay? If, um, if I was to tell you that, hey, world's going, going crazy, it's coming to an end, I got a fortress for you. you like, okay, okay, I, I can rock with that. If I told you that this fortress was uh, six feet by eight feet, uh, six feet wide by eight feet long, and eight foot tall, and I say, yeah, you and your whole family can come in, you would all automatically think, well, that's not enough room for all of us. Six feet by eight feet, that's, that's basically a, a jail cell. That's a prison. It's there's not, there's not designed for multiple people. So, when you think of a fortress, you think of somewhere that is somewhere that is, allows you to not only protect yourself, but protect the things and people that you care about. Okay. So these are some of the characteristics that we look at and think about when we think about the presence of God. It says he is a strong fortress. So we understand that 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 qualifier strong lets us know that he's he can defend us. He can protect us. We are safe with him and in him. Okay. These are things that we look at under that presence name. Remember when we talked about the presence of God, the names that fall under that presence category. The things that just exist, things that are just fact, Alpha and Omega, fact. He is who he is, right? El Shaddai, Christos, El Roha. These are things that we look at and we say, you know what, God is, he is, he is the God who sees all. He is going to be there for me. He will protect me. He will be where he needs to be at my benefit, at my behalf. So now we kind of start to understand that We have looked at presence and we've looked at it and understanding going through what a strong fortress is. So now let's kind of slide to that back half of the um, of the text. And this is where I kind of want to dig in with. okay, Um, the back half of that text says the godly run to him and are safe. So we know the names of God and we know that he is an unwavering rock and a fortified, strong fortress. Right. Um, That protects us and cares about us. But one part that I think a lot of times as believers we struggle with is understanding the role that we play in scripture, the role that we play in the text. Okay, so I want to look at something. Um, A simple sentence. Take you back to English class. A simple sentence in the English language is comprised of roughly four parts. Okay, you have the subject, which is the noun performing the action. You have the verb. Which is the actual action being performed? You have the object, which is uh, the thing being acted upon. What's 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 being acted upon by the uh, by the subject? And then you have the pres- prepositional phrase, and this is the effect on the object. So let's take that that's that last portion of that, and it says the godly run to him and are safe. In that, the subject, the godly. The godly speaks to us. We are the godly. We as believers are the godly in the subject of that text. As the godly, we have to access the fortress. So you might, you know, just by that statement, you might understand and say, okay, well, we have to access it. But how do we access the fortress? The verb in that, in that last phrase tells us how to access the fortress. It says the god they run to him and are safe. What would be the verb? The verb will be run. So now understand, you may have seen it before, but that's not what, what it means in this case. It does not mean to get up and just start sprinting around the church. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're not saying that we're we're just getting up and you're gonna run as far as you can just to run and God will intercept you at some point in time. When we're saying run, we're saying we got to look back into the scripture a little bit. How, How do we run to God? How do we run to that fortress? We run to the fortress by accessing the name. Okay? Like we talked about, there is power in name. There is power and influence in a name. It can influence and direct your situation. It can impact your situation to a great degree. If you needed healing, you would run to the name of Jehovah Rapha. If you need a provision, you would run by calling on the name Jehovah Jireh. If you needed peace in your mind, your body, your spirit, your family, your job, any area or avenue that you're operating in, you would run by calling on the power of Jehovah Shalom. And guess what? If you can't find the right name at the right time, if you can't find the right word at the right time, say, I know I need to call somebody. My phone isn't working. I don't remember the contact. I know, but I know, I know I need somebody. You can always call on Jesus. You can always call on Jesus. There's a name for every situation, guys. There's a name that um, as we start to understand this, that we have to realize and we have to be secure in the fact that you, let me say it this way. You need to understand that there is not a situation in this world. There is not a situation that you will deal with that can dictate or limit how God can move. Okay? There is a name for every situation. Repeat after me. There is a name for every situation. Repeat after me. My situation does not dictate or limit how God can move. So, if we want to look, kind of get an understanding of this. Again, we we know some names, but there there are things that we might not be able to really understand and and, and visually see and say. I know I need something, but I, I I don't know what that something is. But I I know I don't want to be where I'm at right now. I know I don't want to be in this pace in this place pace place or space anymore. I know I don't like what's going on around me. But I don't know what name to call on. So let's look at Exodus 3. We're going to mainly look at Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. And at your leisure, you can definitely read those. But I'm going to recap it for you. At this point, we're finding a conversation going on between God and Moses. This is the, for your Sunday school, this is the burning bush story, okay? So we find a conversation happening between God and Moses at the burning bush. And this is a point where Moses has been tasked by God to free my people. Right. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. OK. So Moses is, is saying to God in verse 13 says. Um, God, I'm, I'm going to the Israelites and I, I'll talk to them on, on your behalf. But what if what if what if they say? Well, who sent you? God makes a he makes a statement that that's mind blowing. Verse 14, God says to Moses. I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am who has sent me to you. I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. There is a name that we can call on. We can call on Jesus. We can call on Yahweh in this situation. He says, I am what I am. I am that I am. I, I look at this and read it and say, "Man, this is just God flexing right here." All right, this is God. He's doing this thing. He's just being awesome in this statement. Like, if you think about it, hey, what what are you here for? I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. Well, what, what's your role? I do what I do. Like, that's 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 kind of hard, right? God was letting Moses and the children of Israel know that. He can become whatever he would need them to be. Again, like I said, don't limit God. What you can conceive, even if it's this big, God's bigger. Even if it's this deep, God's deeper. His breath, his depth are not measurable by our minds. We cannot conceive. So do not start thinking about, oh, God can do this, because if you say this, That's going to be that you're going to you're going to already limit how far he can go for you in your life. Yahweh or I am. Was a way for God to let his people know that he could become whatever they needed him to be. I am that I am is also and this is this is get this in your spirit, guys. I am that I am is also a promise and a pledge to Moses. Okay, I am that I am is a promise and a pledge to Moses and his chosen people. Write this down. Somewhere between when God speaks a promise to you and the fulfillment of that promise, there is a human responsibility between those two points. Somewhere between when God tells you something and when God fulfills it, there's a gap. And in that gap, there is something for us to do. Okay. God was letting his people know at that very moment. I am that I am. So I'm making you a promise that I will be for you what you need. And I am making you a promise that when you need it, you will have it. But in that moment, there is a responsibility that you have to take on. There's a charge on your life that you have to pick up and run with. And for them to do that. They had to run to God. And again, how do they run to God? By accessing the name, okay. We are starting to ask the question: What is a name? Biblically, a name is a, a record of some aspect of a person's birth. Um, you can look at like Moses. Moses' name drawn from water that spoke to how how they how he came into this world. Biblically, a name can also speak to a parent's reaction to their child's birth. Biblically, a name can also speak to lineage. We can look at Abraham, father of many nations. That speaks to what he is going to be connected to. Also, a name, biblically, could be used to establish an affiliation to God. We call David beloved that was their affiliation they were connected specifically because he is my beloved names hold the power so do not take them lightly fellas, ladies don't take them lightly understand that that power that you have by calling on that name gives you access it grants you authority it grants you dominion over certain areas places and spaces Understanding that gives you, it gives you a confidence, a godly confidence to operate in ways God has called you to operate. It has given you a confidence to operate and change situations that you are in. As PJ always says, we are called to be what? Thermostats, not thermometers. A thermostat changes the temperature of a room. A thermometer just reads the temperature. So if they're smoking, you're smoking. If they're cussing, you're cussing. If they're doing whatever, you're doing whatever. But a thermostat says, you know what, it's, it's too cold in here. Let's get hot for God. It's, 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 it's not quite right. Let's change this atmosphere. Where one or two are gathered, take over, guys. So you got to understand that. If you go into a space and that space doesn't fit who you are, you call on the name. Our foundational scripture showed us that the name of the Lord is a safe refuge. It's a place that we can run to him and, and be safe. In Exodus 3, we talked about the children of Israel understanding that God is who he is. I am that I am. One, one scripture I would like to leave you with is Numbers 23 and 19. It says God is not human that he should lie. God is a not. Thank you, Lord. God is a human is not a human being. His mind should not change. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Because God cannot lie, and we are the godly. We are His children. If we run to Him, He will be that for you. He will be that for you. Now what is the that? That could be anything. That can be that love that you're looking for. That can be that peace. It can be that hope. It can be that joy. Whatever your that is, whatever your that needs to be, I am that I am. Whatever your that is is missing for you. Whatever your that gap that you have, I am. That I am. There's a promise there. There's a promise that when you need me, I'll be there. When you need me, I will step in that moment for you. You call on me when you need If my kids call on me, their tone and their intensity dictate how I move. If my kids say, hey, Dad, I might not, I might, I hear them, but I don't hear them. They scream, Dad! I'm, I'm up and I'm running downstairs to see what's going on. Your tone and your intensity can dictate how how fast the situation moves on your behalf. God hears us; He's all seeing, He's all knowing, He's there, He's omnipresent, He's the beginning and the end. So we know He's there, but if we want to access Him faster, if your posture says, "God, I give it to you," "God, I'm 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 surrendering this to you," I don't have the answers, I don't have the know-how, I need You in this moment. If your posture changes. If your tone changes with him, if your intensity changes, that that can make the whole difference. Understand that God can be whatever that is that you need. Understand that God can fill that gap. We as Christians, we as believers can have a full, a full life. Not a glass half full. Not, Not just looking at it from a perspective of being full. We can have a full life. God give us access to all of our hearts and desires as long as we follow him. So again, I don't know what your that is. I don't know what your specific that is. But I know where your that can be found. Your that can be found in the Lord. To do that, though, there, there are three quick steps that you have to do. Number one, you have to acknowledge. You have to acknowledge that you have sinned and done wrong. You have to make that declaration. You know what? I've fallen short. I haven't always had the answers. I haven't always done it right. There have been times where I've misstepped. Knowingly and unknowingly. There have been times where I've fallen short. And you know what? It's like somebody had to let me know that that's not the right way to do it. There have been times where I've fallen short. And I said, you know what? I'm going to jump out there own because I can do it. I'm being bad by myself. To first acknowledge that, you know what? I did not have the answer in that moment. I didn't have the right answer. Acknowledge that you sinned. The next step is you have to ask for forgiveness and acknowledge that God is the Lord and Savior of your life through Jesus Christ. There's not any opportunity, there's not any specific, specific time for you to do it. It's not just a deathbed thing, it's not just a christening thing. If you know that you are not right, now is the moment, now is the opportunity. Third thing, you have to ask God to dwell in your heart. As they said during praise and worship, the enemy is going to attack. If you're sitting on the sideline, he might leave you alone. Only players only players are the ones that affect the game. So if you're in the game of this thing we call the Christian walk, understand that there's going to be an opponent. That opponent is going to come against you. So if you have the playbook, if you have your playbook, if you have your Bible with you, in your heart, will be all right. All right? We understand that God is here for us. He can be our that. His name is above all names. He is what we need in our lives. If you're needing prayer, if you're needing somebody to talk to, don't hesitate to reach out to us. If you're needing something, if you're, if you're, if you're unsure about where you're at in your walk, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You. If you're trying to figure out where to move in your life, pray about it. We will connect with you. We will bond with you. We will, we will work through this thing. The Christian walk is something that you do not do alone. It's not something that you, it's, it's, it's tough doing it with other believers. So it's, it's very hard to try to walk it yourself. So understand that as a some of the legs, some of the armrests, but if any piece of it is missing, it's incomplete. We need you to be your part. We need you to play your role. We need you to be part of this thing so that we can support each other together. Understand. Understand. so glad you could join us for today's worship we hope that you will visit us again follow us on our social media platforms and if today's message was a blessing for you you can go to our hungry church youtube page and watch the service again and even share it with your friends be blessed and stay hungry